Hello everyone, I'm Tori. And I'm Kariana. And this is God in All Things, and today we're going to be discussing The Lottery by Shirley Jackson, which is a short story, (laughs) a really great short story, like... Probably one of the best short stories I've ever read. It's for sure. It's amazing. So I'll give you a brief summary, very, very brief, because it's definitely (laughs) one we don't want to spoil. So if you haven't read it, go read it before you listen to this episode. Usually we don't really care, like you do what you want. This one you really should just read without knowing anything. It's literally only a few pages. Five pages. So short. You won't find a version more than five pages long. (laughs) Yeah. It will literally take you ten minutes. Go read it and then come back and enjoy this discussion because yeah. You don't want any spoilers. Yes. It's a great short story without like while knowing what happens, but it's extra exciting and impactful when you read it without knowing what to expect. So here's my very brief summary, if you are curious. It is time for the annual lottery, a tradition in the village that seems both a critical community experience and a discomforting irritant. What is the lottery, you may ask? Read and experience it for yourself. So like (laughs) I said, go read it. (laughs) Go read it. It's worth it. It's a classic. Yes, it is. It really is. So yeah, like I said, hopefully you're back here now and you've read it and you know (laughs) what it's about. So let's get into our personal experiences. I have only read this once before. I read it when I was in college in one of my English courses in the few semesters that I was an English major officially. I was able to read it in one of those courses and I loved it. I thought it was really great. It was one of most of the students' favorite of that year or of that class, I mean. And yeah, it's always stuck in my mind. I haven't revisited it since, but I have read a couple other things by Shirley Jackson, Haunting of Hill House. We have always lived in the castle, which is my favorite of the two. I really like her other stuff. And I'd love to read more short stories by her. But yeah, I definitely really enjoy this one. And if I were to choose my favorite short story of all time, I don't know specifically that this would be it, but it is very much in the running. Like it could be if I really thought deeply about it. So yeah, I read it for the first time in high school. It was my sophomore year. Uh, my teacher did a really, really awesome object lesson where she, I won't like give any specific spoilers, but but she ha- she like hosted a lottery before we read it. So she had each of us draw papers out of a box and oh. one of them had the black dot in the center as the, <laughs> as the chosen person who won the lottery. Oh, gosh. Um, so, so yeah, we did that. And then we went in and read the story and it was like, Oh my. <laughs> okay. That's scary. What the heck? It's pretty intense. I told my dad, my dad teaches English, and I told him that, and he was like, I'm doing it. <laughs> I was like, yeah, man. Yeah. And then I have it saved in my um, writing folder in my Google Drive. Okay. I was telling Tori, I've read it a few times because I short story writing is my personal favorite. I I just, I love short stories and I love writing short stories. And I see this as like the ultimate, <laughs> like, yes. the, I don't, it's just everything a short story should be. It's so, so yeah, I've gone back and revisited, but I definitely agree. Like the first time is definitely the most impactful going back yeah. and reading it. Like for this, I was kind of like, okay, like this is, you know, it's kind of, I don't know, it kind of, it almost gets more bland when you know what's going on. Mm -hmm. The writing to me, I don't know, maybe that's a little unfair. Um, I don't want to imply that I didn't enjoy it, but it's a, it's just 
I think more exciting and interesting when you're like going in like what's going on what is this lottery yeah what's what happening? are they talking about yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah although I did feel like there's a greater sense of doom when you read it knowing yes. how it ends like all the little details stand out more because you're like Ooh, that feels so like when you first read it, you're just like, oh, yeah, this and this. And then like when you know these little sentences and word choices, you're like, that is so uncozy. And every time somebody laughs, you're like, stop that. You're like, stop (laughs) laughing. Stop (laughs) making jokes. And so many times it's Mrs. Hutchinson making jokes or like making people laugh. And I'm like, that is so. They're all laughing about her being late and pushing through the crowd. And you're like okay all right yes. you're like, please stop <laughs> should have stayed home lady not yeah seriously <laughs> you should have just missed this although i don't know what would have happened i don't know what if yeah. she wasn't there if they just picked don't have enough information or... i'm sure yeah. i'm sure they would yeah anyway yeah so but i thoroughly enjoy it i think it's i think it's wonderful so we'll get into that but first of course we need to discuss the gospel principle which kariana will summarize for us at this point okay so this is an interesting one (laughs) we had a hard time like kind of wrapping our thoughts up into like a neatly bow-tied gospel principle that there's just like a general conference talk named after Uh (laughs) um but so what we came up with was the idea of tradition versus doctrine okay and so a little bit what we're thinking about that is um it can often be difficult to separate the culture and traditions of the world from the words and teachings of Christ. So sometimes the voice of the world is so strong that it's difficult to remember what's right. And sometimes we choose to let ourselves slip enough spiritually that our ability to hear the Holy Spirit fades away. So it's important for us to be willing to take a hard look at the traditions that guide our thoughts and actions to decide whether they're really bringing us closer to God the way they should be. So I guess we'll just get into it that we'll continue to discuss, obviously, that gospel principle throughout and revisit it in connection with the story. So we start off on June 27th and it's a beautiful day. It's well described in the story as just a full summer day. Not bland. Not Not bland. bland. Fresh warmth. (laughs) Grass was richly green. All the flowers are blossoming. So it's a beautiful day and this community is gathering together and we see kind of a bunch of different groups within the community that would make sense. Like we see these little boys who are talking about school and stuff and it mentions that they start gathering stones. So that's kind of our first little tidbit of like, Okay, something's off, but also like that's a pretty normal thing. It's for a bunch boys of boys to, picking yes, up rocks, picking up stones. Like <laughs> but it's a very specific comment, and they're very like detailed something. about it. Yeah. You can be like, okay, why are we spending so much time talking about Bobby Martin already stuffing his pockets full of stones, and other boys also following him and getting the smoothest and roundest stones? Yeah, we hate that callback to David. A lot. Oh, yeah. (laughs) His his smooth stones. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. And then we also see the men standing together and it says that they're away from the pile of stones in the corner. So there's kind of this sense of like the children don't really understand. They just like know the motions they're supposed to be making. Like, this is what we do. Yep. We do this every year and we just know how to do it. And then the men are like, no, we're uncomfortable with this. Yeah. But like, yeah, it is tradition and we'll just kind of ignore it. Right. That's it's almost like they kind of let the kids take care of it because yeah. they'd rather distance themselves. Exactly. 
exactly. Like they just have that experience behind them, but they're still tied to these traditions, which is the theme running throughout this. We also see some of the women gathering together and waiting for their men and gossiping amongst themselves. So it's a very like normal village setting that we're in. And then we meet Mr. Summers, who is kind of the leader of the town. He conducts everything. It makes very clear. And the fact that it's like the lottery was conducted as were the square dances, the teen club, the Halloween program, like why is the lottery mixed amongst these very like normal, cheerful events? It just goes to show how deeply ingrained it is in this community. Anyway, he brings in this black wooden box and sets it in the midst of them. And everybody's kind of uncomfortable with this box. They're giving it their distance and everything. So we're starting to see a little bit more that there's some level of discomfort amongst the people. It's not like this big event that people are excited to be at yes people aren't like excited to be there even the kids aren't described as excited they're described as a little bit hesitant but like also you know boys they're children still yeah and i really liked on this read through this next portion it kind of goes through a few things where it talks about how the lottery used to be and that some of these things have fallen away so it talks about the box is not the original box they used in the past it was something else and at some point they changed over to this other box and they don't really know where this box came from or anything they just know that they started using it It, i think it was when the oldest man in the village was born basically this new box started being in use and that's all they really know about it and then it talks about how they used to do chips of wood for this lottery drawing instead of papers and they changed that And they talk about how there used to be like a program involved and like a chant and stuff like that, that they've gotten rid of. And I thought it was so interesting. It's listing all these things they got rid of, but they kept the lottery. Like they changed the box. They changed, they don't do the chant anymore. Like they talk about these parts of it that were changed, but like the main thing they're doing has never been questioned. And I thought it was interesting thinking about how often we get caught up in these cosmetic changes to things that maybe need to be changed a lot more. And this is kind of a different principle, I guess, than what we're going to focus on the majority of the time. But thinking about it in terms of repentance, like sometimes I think we do cosmetic changes in our lives to like make ourselves look better or whatever, reimagine ourselves in a slightly better way, but we don't really get to the root problem Mm -hmm. that is within our actions and behaviors. And so I just thought that was a really beautiful look at changing things that are less important, I guess. It's interesting too, with the box that it specifically says, like it's not the original box that they use. But it says Mr. Summers spoke frequently to the villagers about making a new box, but no one liked to upset even as much tradition as was represented by the black box. Mm. So it's kind of interesting to me that it mentions that and then talks about all of the things that they have changed and got rid of. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of like this, they've almost arbitrarily like grabbed onto certain things and not others. Like some things they're like, oh, that doesn't matter. But then some things they're like, oh no, we need this. Like they're not even, like they're not even thinking it through. They're just like doing like whatever sticks almost, you know? (laughs) Yeah. And it's almost like these changes that have occurred have just kind of like happened naturally. Like they just kind of let things happen instead of 
making the choice. Like the idea of making the choice to change the box when it's not necessary right. is like what they back off from. Whereas like the chant, it just kind of like faded away, it seems like. And the new box, it sounds like the old one broke. And so that's right. why they and got so they a had new to have one. a new one. They had yeah. to. Like it came from like their changes that were kind of forced on them. Right. And just kind of naturally happened rather than actually using their agency to make the choice. Right. Yeah. I also thought that it was interesting going back just like a paragraph <laughs> when you were you mentioned like all of the kind of like regular <laughs> uh, village activities that um, that Mr. Summers is involved in the square dances, the teen club, the Halloween program. Right. And then it says that he um, yeah, he runs the coal business. That's right. And I was kind of thinking about I read this talk from October 2021 general conference and it's president Nelson called make time for the Lord. I don't, it wasn't, it's not like his main talk. I think it's the one at the end where he like announced all of the new temples and stuff. But um, anyway, so I was just kind of thinking about all of these things that everybody's involved in. You know, we have, it talks about all of these fun activities and we have Mrs. Hutchinson later is late because she's like caught up doing dishes and these household chores and you have the kids are all busy talking about school it mentions that they're uneasy with their new liberty they have all of this time Mm -hmm. and they're still like you know they're talking about school and don't really know what else to do and I thought it was really interesting thinking about all of the things that these villagers are like focused on and taking up their time with like they're so busy and thinking about all of these things that all don't really matter Mm -hmm. (laughs) and they're filling up their time in their head with things that aren't putting them necessarily in the right mindset and on the right focus. And so Mm -hmm. I really enjoyed this talk about making time for the Lord, where President Nelson says, "Um, the voices and pressures of the world are engaging and numerous, but too many voices are deceptive, seductive, and can pull us off the covenant path. To avoid the inevitable heartbreak that follows, I plead with you today to counter the lure of the world by making time for the Lord in your life each and every day. And then he kind of talks about, you know, you know, seeking the Lord through prayer and and gospel study. Otherwise, you can leave yourself vulnerable to philosophies that may be intriguing, but are not true. And even saints who are otherwise faithful can be derailed by the steady beat of Babylon's band. And I just felt like that spoke so well to to this story and the idea, you know, these deceptive voices and leaving themselves vulnerable to intriguing philosophies. Mm, yeah. And um, yeah, just kind of being pulled off the path by not focusing, by focusing on so many things that don't matter that you can't focus on the things that do. Yeah, I like that too. In a few paragraphs down from where we are, it talks, it like is when they're about to start. And Mr. Summers says, guess we better get started, get this over with so we can go back to work. And it's like, you, you are checking off the wrong box, my friend. <laughs> like, he treats it as such a, like, okay, get that done, but is not even considering why they're even there. Like, why? Yeah. And I think it's interesting in this talk I read by, <laughs> who was it by? Hold on. Elder Pingree of the 7D. It was given in this last October 2023 general conference. And he talks about the difference between doctrine and application and doctrine and principle. And he talks about how God expects us to seek, recognize, and act on truth. And I think it's very telling that anything that tells you to apply something without understanding it is probably not of God. Hmm. 
or at least it's not coming at it from a godly perspective because God wants us to understand and then use our agency to choose. Now, we're not going to understand every aspect of our whole lives and everything about the plan of salvation perfectly, but he does want us to understand enough so that we can effectively use our agency. And so in this story, they're following this application of a tradition without considering any of the why or anything behind it. It's just a lazy check mark for yeah. them, which is just distracting them from all of the good things that could be in life because they're treating, it almost seems like not only are they really busy, but they're treating everything like a checkbox. Right. And so they're not really putting their heart into anything, which means that they're using their agency a lot less. Like they're just kind of letting things happen. Like I said, like the with, changes yeah, are like just happening. Changes. And then also, yeah, just their participation in this whole thing in general is very lack of agency and lack of intellect which god wants us to use our intellect and agency always especially when making such big choices in our lives yeah even when i mean obviously like you said we're not going to understand everything all the time in fact you know we understand relatively little (laughs) compared to what there Mm -hmm. is out there right but i feel like god does always expect us to be seeking that understanding like when we don't understand i think he really wants us to be trying to understand at least something Mm -hmm. all the time you know so that we because that's how we grow and use that intellect and and I, I think kind of going along with what you were saying as well um we have old man warner we'll get I'm you know we'll talk about him more eventually he's the oldest man in the town he says something later on where he says oh yeah I'm trying to find the exact quote it's something like um lottery in June corn's grown heavy soon or something like that so it sound they make it sound like it it was this superstition where the lottery helped like the harvest in some way but even that they've kind of like let go and don't think about i'm just kind of thinking about in terms of like both of these conversations that we've now Mm, had about just kind of like letting the purpose fade away and not thinking about none of them have that why like they don't believe that (laughs) they don't think about Mm -hmm. that they just still do the thing anyway (laughs) yeah Mm -hmm. and it's interesting too that I feel like a lot of them clearly like we said like they're uncomfortable with it like there's still some level you can tell that they're not robots like Mm -hmm. they genuinely have some sort of feeling about it they just do nothing about it again they have no sense of action and proactivity to figure things out and to make the decision themselves they just want to rely on the past and it's kind of just easier like it's easier to float on tradition sometimes than to actually confront your own beliefs and your own expectations of life and I think that's such a huge problem in the church nowadays I think we're kind of coming out of that stage but I think for a lot of people there's been this sense of especially in Utah where there's a tradition that's associated with all of these milestones and people are focused on the traditions and ceremonies involved in the milestones instead of the doctrine. And so there's so many people falling away because they don't actually have a testimony. They don't actually have a conversion to God and to his gospel because they're just relying on what's expected by the society around them and just floating on that and not seeking their own 
belief and understanding. And we see, yeah, as they go through this lottery drawing, it talks about the people had done it so many times that they only half listen to the directions. Like, they're getting to the point where they don't even listen to what's being said. They just, like, know what they're doing and they just do it. And I think we get to that point, too. Like, how many times, I mean, recently, in the past few years, they've changed how they've worded the mission call because they, for so long, it just became this, like, you read off what, where you're going and that was it. You weren't focused on the rest of the letter, which was talking about you being a representative of Jesus Christ and what your responsibilities will be the main purpose behind what you're doing as a missionary. And so people like didn't even, if, if they read it, they don't listen to it. And even now, sometimes with it at the beginning and the place at the end, people kind of tune out the first little bit because they're like, oh, we don't really care. We just want to know where you're going. And that's a very similar thing of like, you aren't even listening to the purposes behind what you're doing. And that means that it's not actually a part of you. It's just a thing you do. It's kind of interesting too, though. You said at the beginning of that, sometimes it's easier to float on tradition rather than like, you know, be proactive Mm -hmm. and make those changes. But it's kind of this like catch 22 almost where it's like, it feels easier, but it's also kind of, not and maybe in some cases here's what I'm thinking like they all are so uncomfortable and we'll see that more and more as the story goes on right like they know what's going to happen and they don't want to they want to get it over with I think there's even more of a sense with this of wanting to get it over with because of like we don't want to be here and we don't Mm -hmm. like this and (laughs) and like it's not happy right and so really and somebody brings up like oh in other communities they have gotten rid of the lottery and like maybe that is something that we could do but then they still go through with it you know they're still Mm -hmm. but I think that if they if they were willing to make that choice and to rise up and someone was willing to be the first voice saying no this is wrong and change that I think their lives would be way easier after yeah, that. They wouldn't have to face the lottery. <laughs> they wouldn't have year. to do yeah. it anymore. Mm-hmm. And they would be so much happier, right? And I was thinking about, I recently had a friend who decided to stop going to church and kind of leave things behind. And um, and we were talking about it. And she made the most interesting comment to me. She told me, that uh, this is kind of thinking about what you were talking about, like, you know, what's kind of what's expected just kind of in society. Um, She said that she had a sister who was getting married. So she was thinking about leaving the church. And she told me, I knew I wanted to go to my sister's wedding in the temple. And so she kept going to church and doing everything she was supposed to and went to her sister's wedding and then said, and I don't have to worry about anything else like that. Like all of my siblings are either married or not going to get married in the temple. Mm -hmm. And like, there's nothing like that imminently coming up anymore. And so then she took off her garments and decided and stopped going to church. And so it was this like thought out, (laughs) like, like going, I, I don't know. I don't know. Almost like using it to like get the experience that she wanted and then, move on from it. And I don't know that she would necessarily see it that way. Mm -hmm. But I mean, to me as somebody, the way I feel about the temple, I was like very uncomfortable with the idea, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I don't know, I'm thinking, but then she expressed to me, she's like, yeah, ever since stopping, like, I feel 
less confused and I feel less conflicted and less frustrated and all this stuff. And I'm like, it was just a, it's a really hard thing for me to wrap my head around where I'm like, okay, so you pushed through this like societally accepted thing, even though like you could have felt like more comfortable with yourself by just by not doing that, you know? So instead you're bringing in this almost corrupted mindset to a place that I see as very, very sacred just because that's what you should do. Um, And so I'm like, you know, either make your choice and go with either way, you know, like I'd rather her make a choice in the opposite direction and Mm -hmm. say like, okay, I'm confused and I'm conflicted, but I know that the book of Mormon is true. And I know that I have a testimony of this. And so you know, I'm going to seek understanding for my questions, but just like embrace it and and run and, you know, and go with it. But I'm like, in either case, you have to make a decision and go Mm -hmm. with it. Like she was putting herself in this like uncomfortable in-between space where she's not happy with where she is at. And I'm not happy with (laughs) where she's at because of what I value and what's important to me. So just kind of this interesting, like, I think sometimes it feels easier to float on tradition, but it's actually so much easier and comfortable if you like make the hard decision and go with what genuinely feels right to you by, you know, as particularly that the spirit is speaking what that's right to you. Yeah, I would say I feel like this story really is about people being trapped by tradition Mm. where it feels it's like it's kind of like for lack of a better example or comparison, like a drug where it like feels good to start and then Mm. you get more and more trapped in it. And then eventually it's just something you do because you don't know how else to live and you can't do it. And tradition can be treated like that. It can become this thing that you just do. And at first it like makes sense and you like know why you're doing it. It feels good. And then the more you do it and the more you focus on the tradition itself and not the why behind it, the less important it feels and the more it just feels like life. And then it's just like this cage you're trapped in. Like you don't know how to live without it. It's just there always. You don't, it feels like a huge step to stop it. Like this lottery to them, they can't even imagine stopping it because it's just there. It just always happens. Like you can't just say, let's stop it. Like it's just, it's the lottery. You just do it every year. And so I think sometimes, yeah, it does take a little bit of a push to get out of that. I think no matter what, whichever side you fall on, it's going to be a little bit of a push to get yourself out of that experience. But it's probably, like you said, it's going to be worth it in the end end. to just use the agency God gave you. That's why he gave it to you. So you want to be in those trapped situations where you feel like you can't use it. You know what that actually makes me think of is like, (laughs) the entirety of the Christmas season for so many people. Mm, I actually got so bothered this year. Like this January has been so frustrating for me because I've heard so many people say like, oh yeah, just so glad Christmas is over. And I'm like, huh? (laughs) I'm not even a big Christmas person, but you know what I love about Christmas? Jesus. Jesus. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) I love Jesus, you Mm -hmm. know? And so for me, like, as somebody who's not really a big Christmas person, everything I do at Christmas time is about Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so then when I hear people talking about being so glad Christmas is over, I'm like, why? And I've had to realize it's because people do, it's a, it's the biggest time of year for traditions in our society, right? right? Mm-hmm. We love our Christmas traditions and people get so caught up in them that they're like, 
glad when this time for love and joy and giving and Jesus is over. And I'm like, hold up. (laughs) Hold on just a second. I feel like we need to switch things here. That's just what came to my mind when you were were talking about that. Yeah, forgetting that really important why. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then, yeah, it just makes something that should be so amazing Mm -hmm. into something bad and something that's bad into something that's just what you do, like into something normal. Right. And so, yeah, it can be a very dangerous slope. There's value in tradition as long as the value behind it is remembered. (laughs) Yes. So there you go. As long as it's actually doing its job and making you think about something that matters. Yes. Something of value. (laughs) So then jumping towards the latter half of the story, we get to this point where we get our first... So every family, the men of each family, the head of each family, chooses a paper out of the box. And they all open up and the head of the family that has a black dot on their card gathers their family and then the family will pick one each. And whoever gets the black dot is the one who wins the lottery. So, which will explain... loses the lottery. I know, loses. Um, Who wins the lottery. It's kind of a funny thing, yes. So, yes, it's kind of an ironic thing. But, yes, we'll get there in a second. So, we get to the point where the family gets chosen. It's the Hutchinsons is their name. And up to this point we've seen Tessie, Mrs. Hutchinson, be kind of funny. She's kind of the fun woman of the town, it seems like. And now it's her family. And she's upset about it. She's like, you didn't give him time to take any paper he wanted. I saw you. It wasn't fair. Like, she's talking about this fairness idea, which I'm like, okay, girl, you girl, why are you even here? Yeah, <laughs> if you don't believe this is like, if you believe in fairness, which is kind of an interesting it. thing that she like, you know, she gets picked and immediately it becomes mm-hmm. this like negative, it's not fair thing. And it's, they can feel in their hearts yes. that it's not right. They all know. They all know. And like their argument is like, be a good sport, Tessie. All of us took the same chance. Like we all did it. Like it just happened to be you. Sucks to suck. Hardcore like, peer pressure it's just moment. <laughs> so, and there's like no, there's no compassion, just expectation. Yeah. And that, so this community is built on something so like, frankly wrong and not lasting these expectations of the society around them rather than a community unified by love and charity and compassion and so there's just like yeah they've just taken the compassion out of this which is another sign that there's a problem yes (laughs) with if people are treating it that way even her husband tells her to shut up like he's like no this is just (laughs) the way it is like just go with it. It's fine, Tessie. Yeah, I made a note on uh, Moroni 7.12. Um, just kind of, I read that and I was like, dang, that needs to be brought up in regard to <laughs> this this story where Moroni just says, wherefore all things which are good cometh of God and that which is evil cometh of the devil. Yeah. And I was like, that's just so, you know, that which is of God inviteth and enticeth to do good. Like just hearing their discomfort and their thoughts on it. I really was thinking, I was like, they really can tell. They can tell that they're not happy. This is not bringing them joy. This is not good. They know this is not good. And yet they continue doing it. I just thought that was so interesting. Yeah. And I think that's interesting in connection with the idea of the lack of compassion and Mm -hmm. charity in this town. I would say any tradition that makes it so people in general are losing sight of charity and compassion 
probably is not a tradition worth keeping. Right. Like if they are not turning to those basic and critical and divine feelings of charity and love, divine love from Heavenly Father, then that's a sign that it's of the devil. Right. Like Enticing away from good. Yeah. Even if it's technically like, even if it's something like a mission homecoming or something where you have a tradition and it's really fun, it's connected to a mission. Like that sounds like it should be good. But if it's causing issues amongst members of their family where there's less charity involved, whatever it is, I'm not saying like, homecomings in general are like that but if you particularly have a situation where that's just causing more contention and lack of charity than increasing charity amongst you and your family then that's more of the devil than of god even if it's technically connected to a godly thing which is just something i think it's important for us all to reflect on like are my family traditions are other traditions that i follow through with are they bringing charity in my life and the lives of those around me or is it causing us to have contention because contention is never of god yeah so then the hutchinsons gather around and there's the two parents and three kids again mr summers is like we've got to be hurrying a little more to get done in time like it's just such a like checklist we got to get back to work and it's like Why are you doing this? Again, that trapped in this tradition that they don't even want to do just like as a part of getting interrupted in their day, let alone what they're actually doing. Like, it's just so, it's such a strange situation. (laughs) But anyway, so this family gathers around and you just want to throw up when you hear them talk about little, the little baby. What's his name? Dave. Little Dave. Little Dave. Little Dave. And also there's Harry, mm-hmm. I think. And oh, Nancy. no, Harry, Mr. Graves is helping little Dave to get a paper because he can't get it himself. Okay. He doesn't understand. He can only take one. And so they're like, Mr. Graves, you come and help him out. And so it's like this other person from a different family picking this paper for this little boy. It's just so messed up. Anyway, so they each take a paper and there's actually, there's a daughter, Nancy, who's 12. And like one of her friends in the crowd says, I hope it's not Nancy. Like she, like these people are like, we know what we're doing. Like it makes it very clear that they know exactly what they're doing. They're not dumb. They like have enough understanding that they know this is wrong and bad and sad. But they're just doing it anyway. It's just, yeah, absolutely crazy. It really is such an interesting thing to stop and think, like, what am I doing in my life that is so ridiculous that I don't get rid of it, but I just don't get rid of yeah. it. It's kind of a, keep, that's a good kind point. of an inter- yeah. It's such an extreme example, but it makes me want to think, like, okay, what is it for me, though? Like, yes. what do I do mm-hmm. that, like, is actually as simple as saying... I guess I won't do that anymore. <laughs> That's actually maybe not good. Maybe I'll just stop. Maybe I'll just stop. Like, like, we don't have to deal with the stress that causes me yeah. anymore. Yeah. Like, it's just crazy. And then like Mr. Graves has the gall to laugh when Davey. Oh my gosh. Oh, I wanted to. You want to throw up. You yeah. want to throw up. I could up. not hand it. Because yeah, they're, like Davey has the paper crunched in his hand and so mr graves the guy who's helping them like pulls it out like has to like tug it out and pull his fingers up and stuff and he laughs while he's doing it and i'm like do you just not realize that you're possibly holding the you're holding the fate of a little tiny baby in your hands basically is what is happening right now and they just again it's just so such a casual way of living that they're experiencing in this 
Which maybe, okay, you know what I just thought of? That's so interesting because we just talked about how like they, the little girl says, I hope it's not Nancy, mm-hmm. right? Nancy's little 12 year old friend is like, I hope it's not her. And we have this kind of mini contention going on at the same time as this lottery where old man Warner is upset by the idea that people aren't like excited about the lottery <laughs> Yeah, for him. Mm-hmm. He comes from a time period. He, you know, he talks about like people aren't the way they, I think you quoted that earlier. People aren't the way they used to be like people have changed or it's not the way it used to be because he wants people to like, he wants people to understand and respect the lottery. He's on the boat of keeping it because yes. he understands mm-hmm. and respects the why of it. Not saying that's a good thing, but, mm-hmm. <laughs> but at least, you know, <laughs> at least he's using his agency. Yes. <laughs> but, uh, mm-hmm. um, and then we have this little girl who's so scared and sad, right? Um, and then we have these adults who, like we've talked about, are uncomfortable and who know what they're doing is wrong. But but then you have Mr. Graves laughing about it's almost like this progression you have this little girl who doesn't like it and this middle-aged adult who's kind of this like oh i'm here because it's what i do and (laughs) you know (laughs) and then this old man who's like no the lottery is a good thing and we need to keep it i don't know i don't know if i have a really clear point but i do think it's just really interesting to think about like maybe how age and being set in your ways more and less plays a part in it and you know some things sometimes young people come up and want to change things that do matter and we have to be careful of that but sometimes young people can come up and recognize like what things don't actually matter that much and can be can be done away with and it's just kind of this interesting idea of like paying attention and listening and being willing to have that open mind yeah i think i think old man warner is kind of interesting to me because I think there is some sense of he has an understanding of the why, but also there's almost kind of this sense of just like he's convinced himself, convinced himself that the why is there and like embrace that even though it doesn't really feel like he's actually thought through it. He's just okay. like, like he's lived long enough and been through it long enough. He's like, this is just the way it is. So he's kind of like made up a reason why it's okay hmm. almost. And I think sometimes it can be easy to do that in our own lives of like, naturally, our spirits want to know the why. We want to have a reason behind our actions, especially when they're this extreme. You want to have a reason, like why you're doing something. And so I think there's a sense of us kind of forcing a why into what we're doing to make ourselves feel better and then hanging on to that so tight because as soon as we let go of it then we have to realize the horror of what we've done right and i think it that can also be dangerous of like not having the humility to be like no this thing is actually probably not what we need and i need to embrace that it needs to change and it's not necessarily a bad look on me because it's like i have i'm also growing and changing and i need to allow myself to do that and trust that other people will allow me to do that as well it's a pride thing like it gets in the way of you being able to break free of those chains of tradition because you can't let down your own expectations of yourself and what you want other people to think about you and just embrace what's actually true and good. Right. Does that make sense? I feel yeah. like I'm also rambling. No, I, but. I like that. I like that. Yeah, definitely that idea of, of humility and being, because it can be uncomfortable to look at something you've done always mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah. say, oh, 
maybe that's wrong because it can feel like you're wrong, you know, yeah. and it's hard to separate ourselves from our actions sometimes. But but yeah, being willing to have that humility can make all the difference for so many people. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, th- I like that. I think there's been a lot of changes in the church, like on the flip side, traditions that are changing and people have a hard time accepting that. Yes. Like <laughs> President Nelson does not give two flips about yes. our <laughs> cultural <laughs> tradition. No, he's like, we are going to do what's best for yep. us to do. Like, it, And it's like coming from this place where it's like those things that you were doing in the past weren't wrong. Like you're not wrong for having like... Home teaching, not a bad thing. it's not. (laughs) And like even going back to mission farewells and homecomings where it's kind of been more discouraged recently to have like a big thing. Those things weren't bad. It just was distracting from what was important. And so like people who have done that aren't bad people. It's just like make sure you're not losing sight of what's really important. That's what the purpose behind the changes are is sometimes we do become too casual when it's a tradition it's easy to become casual with it yes we have to be reminded of the purpose and sometimes that means adjusting our traditions a little bit to fit where we're at now and what we feel like will help us where we're at now to remember the good things that God wants us to know. So then we continue on through the family. They each look at their papers and it shows baby Dave is safe. He's fine. Goodness, everybody's relieved. <sighs> and then a couple of the other two kids look at theirs and they're both blank. And it says both beamed and laughed. And I'm like, how crazy, again, going back to the lack of charity and compassion, like Mm -hmm. it's distracting from family now. Like they still have a member of their family who's going to win. One of their parents parents is is going to die. We got there. Oh no. (laughs) The lottery lottery is death and we'll explain how in a second. Oh, that reminds me actually. Right when um, the Hutchinson family got chosen, uh, they ask, like, are there any... I didn't quite understand the breakup that they described, but um, Mr. Yeah. Summers asks the head of the household, like, do you have any other families or households in your family? I don't know. They were like, oh, yeah. trying, you know, like, is there anybody else who needs to be included in your family's lottery, right? And Mrs. Hutchinson shouts out, Don and Eva! Mm-hmm. And they're like, no, you know, like, your daughter draws with her husband's family. She's trying to include, like... Yes her daughter and disperse the chances it's gonna be to disperse the chances yeah Yeah, it's this totally yeah it's this ruination of like any family charity and compassion as a mother Mm -hmm. are you kidding me she should be praying it's her like (laughs) if you're gonna be facing something like this rather than her kids or her husband absolutely especially Mm -hmm. i mean her her kids like in particular Mm -hmm. like she's hoping it's her or her husband but in Mm -hmm. the society they've just lost that she would rather i don't want to say the spoiler until we get to it i don't want to say it but she would rather follow through with the end of the lottery with her own children rather than have it be done to her wins which is Mm -hmm. actually the most horrendous thing of this all (laughs) yes it's so true and again it's that tradition has trapped them and made their lives more about those actions than they are about doctrine and truth behind what their actions are yeah so then it does fall to mrs hutchinson tessie who ends up having the black spot on her paper and mr summer says all right folks let's finish quickly which is just that's the one that gives me the sense of him wanting to get it over with i'm not gonna lie that he he gives me the sense of like 
I don't want to be here. Yeah. Like, please, can they we just treat it end as this casually? Because he keeps saying, "We got to get back to work," and I think that probably comes from a sense of wanting to keep it a tradition and not what they're doing. Not think like, about what yes, he's doing. Not yeah. think it through <laughs> so that he can realize the devastation yeah. they're causing. He's like, "I got to get out of here." He's like, "Yeah, I gotta, I gotta get to work." I don't, yeah, like, yes. but he's uncomfortable still, obviously. Yes. So yeah, he wants to get to work, but really, yeah, I think you're right that he just wants to get over with. And so it says, although the villagers had forgotten the ritual and lost the original black box, they still remembered to use stones. And that's when maybe people start to realize, reading it, what's What's happening. What's about to happen. And so they all gather the stones that the boys had collected. And they... Least favorite. Least favorite line of Mm -hmm. the entire story. Yeah, go for it. And someone gave little baby Hutchinson a few pebbles. Yes. I was like, little Shirley baby. Jackson, what's wrong with you? Why would you do that? Yes, little Davy, oh Tessie's son, who's like four years old, given pebbles to go stone his mom to death. So that's what happens. They all throw stones. It says, it isn't fair. It isn't right. Mrs. Hutchinson screamed. And then they were upon her. And that's how it ends. Which is such a vicious sounding yes. sentence. But it's really poignant, too, where she says, it isn't fair, a stone hit her on the side of the head. And you're thinking, like, there's somebody who threw that. Like, there's somebody in this yes. crowd who was just, like, laughing and joking with her who yeah. just threw the first stone. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, my gosh. Just, Can you even imagine? Yeah, that's how it ends. So <laughs> yeah. very dramatic and very obviously very much more extreme than a lot of what we would go through as human beings. <laughs> that's what I love about short stories, yes. though. <laughs> They're so, They're so over so the extreme. top. Because they got to fit so a lot of shock in yes. a short little amount of time. <laughs> so it's great. So good. Very intense. I feel like throughout this episode, we've discussed a lot about just the dangers of traditions and what it can do for us and I think just to like sum up a lot of it just really does come down to recognizing the why behind things and choosing to keep things in your life or get rid of things in your life traditions in your life that you need to whatever you need to do Mm -hmm. and to remember that traditions have a why behind them and you need to seek that out and come to understand it and then like I said, choose what to do about the tradition itself. And I think often that gets lost. One of the most poignant situations I can think of with regard to this is with attending the temple and being kind of like what you brought up with your friend, but also just being endowed and sealed in general. Like it's become this thing where children get sealed in the temple because their parents expect them to. And because that's just what you do. And it comes not from the right place. Yeah. I have a family member, a couple family members who did get sealed in the temple very much because their parents expected them to. And then as soon as they left, they were out. They just, they left the church. They went out and started breaking the word of wisdom, breaking the law of chastity even. They took off their garments immediately, did not in any way keep the covenant to wear those at all times. And it breaks my heart so much. I know I I work with someone who, well, I work in the distribution center and I have a coworker who also works in the temple regularly on Wednesdays. And she talked about someone who she works with who works in the bridal room. And while she was in there one day, one of the bride 
brides came back and she went and changed out of her wedding dress, changed out of her temple dress into her wedding dress, and she left and just plopped her garments in the trash on the way out of the bridal room. And it was just the sister who saw this, like, said that she had to take a moment in the bathroom to just, like, feel okay because it was just so heartbreaking to see just this complete disregard for the covenant that was just made. And I think sometimes as parents, it's understandable to want your children to make those covenants because you've had them bless your life. And also you're, we get stuck in the traditions too, especially in Utah. And it's like part, you want to keep up the appearances of being a good Mormon person and doing what's right and having your kids do what's right. But often I think when parents lose sight, they allow their kids to lose sight and it's more, and it ends up being more dangerous for the kid. Like with this story, this is a very dangerous tradition that they have. Having this tradition in the church that's really good, and yet you focus so much on the tradition, actually ends up harming more than helping, like when it's treated that way. Now your kids have made this covenant that they don't intend to keep. And that's so dangerous for their soul. And it's going to make it a lot harder for them to come back because they've made promises with God himself to do these certain things in his sacred house that they said they were willing to do of their own volition. That's a huge thing, too, is they ask, are you willing to do this of your own volition? And if you stay in that room, you are accepting that, which means they are immediately breaking promises with God because they're not understanding the why they're not understanding the doctrine behind what they're doing and i i think that's so sad i have thought a lot about that especially working in the distribution center and having it brought up a lot i'm like i want to make very clear to my kids that i want them to get married in the temple if that's what they want and if they don't really believe it if they decide they don't want it i do not want them getting married in the temple i do not want them to be endowed i don't want them to be treat my favorite place in the world casually like that and I don't want them to treat covenants casually like that I'd rather so much rather happily go to their civil wedding and be their mom and encourage them and be happy for them there than be heartbroken after their wedding when they dismiss all of their covenants that they felt they had to make because of my expectations like I just I think understanding we're at a time where people need to understand the why and need to have their own testimony of it and own conversion to God otherwise they put themselves in a way more dangerous place than they would have been if they had just accepted that they didn't believe it and if people around them had let them get away from the tradition and just look deeper into the doctrine and into their own relationship with God yeah it really is I think that there can be positivity and a power in doing things because you're supposed to to a a very certain extent (laughs) you know like sometimes you have to start there for sure for sure Mm -hmm. yeah I don't you know my mom was was always on the really extreme side of like my kids should have their agency and they should be able to make their own Mm -hmm. choices right to the point of like not teaching or encouraging Mm -hmm. anything (laughs) in any way you know and so none of us like grew up with her explaining why we should do something or why something is good or with any expectation of doing anything positive within the church at all. And I feel like that was also 
really harmful, mm-hmm. you know? Like, parents also definitely have a responsibility to teach their kids the truth, right? And I think sometimes, you know, there are lots of stories of, like, missionaries going out on missions without a testimony and then coming back with one. But I also agree with you that I think we're reaching a time, and President Nelson has warned us, you know, we have to have our own testimonies. We have to be spiritually strong of ourselves. Otherwise, like, it's just not going to work, you know? Like, just with the culture of our generation and the generation behind us, like, it just doesn't work in the pressures Mm -hmm. of the world. Like, there has to be an understanding of the why and there has to be a true testimony behind it. But I, I also have had a lot of youth talk to me recently about specifically the word of wisdom. There are a lot of youth who see the word of wisdom as an obedience commandment and who seem very comfortable with that, Mm. which is interesting to me. Like I've had a couple kids tell me there is no reason for the word of wisdom. Like there's no good reason for this. It's just so that God can like prove us in something small so that he can trust us with something big as well, Mm. or so that we can prove ourselves in something small so that we know that we can do something big. Um, which I'm not going to lie, I disagree with. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I disagree with, and that doesn't work for me. I can't handle just saying like, oh yeah, there's not a reason. Like Mm -hmm. if I don't understand the reason, that means there's a reason that I don't get yet. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so, but I do think it's interesting and powerful when somebody can say, I don't understand why, and I don't need to. God wants me to be obedient and I'm going to be, you mm-hmm. know, but there is still kind of a why behind that. Yeah. It's because I love God and I trust God and I want to have a relationship with him and draw closer to him. And that's still not the same thing as what you're talking about. <laughs> There's a difference between those two situations. Um, but I did kind of want to bring up that other side of things and clarify that a little bit. And some of those things that people follow, you know, maybe just because they're supposed to follow them, but with real intent there at the same time Mm -hmm. if that makes sense no yeah that all totally does I didn't mean to make it sound like for sure for sure I'm like I definitely (laughs) think like it's important like like I said you should encourage them to understand the why and part of the really the biggest why is because you love God like you should learn to love God and trust him like everything else works out (laughs) you'll find the other whys behind things that God has but like ultimately if you develop a relationship with god and trust him then like of course you're going to do all of those other things and trust that and see the fruits of it the positive fruits of it as always we do want to end of course with a refocus on our gospel principle and on the savior so kariana has a quote that she'll share with us yeah from that same talk by president nelson make time for the lord he says Never underestimate the profound truth that the spirit speaketh of things as they really are and of things as they really will be. It will show unto you all things what ye should do. Nothing invites the spirit more than fixing your focus on Jesus Christ. Talk of Christ, rejoice in Christ, feast upon the words of Christ, and press forward with steadfastness in Christ. Focus on Christ Christ. and everything else will come together the way it should and you will avoid unnecessary and evil deeds and you'll be able to better enjoy traditions that lead you to Christ in a more effective way. So 
Beautiful. That is everything. So thank you so much for listening slash watching. If you can leave us a like and subscribe and leave us a rating as well, depending on if you're watching on YouTube or listening to the podcast, we would very much appreciate it. Also be sure to follow us on Instagram at God and All Things Podcast. We do great things over there and we're doing better at actually posting stuff. <laughs> we're making progress, hopefully. <laughs> so we have recommitted to that. So definitely check us out there. Also, if you're interested in what I'm reading just in general, you can check out my channel on YouTube, Good Strong Words. We have a lot of fun over there and I think that will be everything. So thank you again for watching slash Oh, no, it's not everything. If you don't know, Tori made a featured appearance (laughs) (laughs) on released the podcast with Talmadge Thane. 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 Talmadge Thane released the podcast. He interviewed Tori um yes. it's it's spectacular go it's check great, her out and over yeah, there his podcast is also really great it's yes. just for returned missionaries just t- trying to get back into life and some tips and it's also just great in general there's really good inspiration on there and stuff so definitely check that out but yes i was on there so you there can you go. listen to that Super and it'll fun. be great <laughs> and yeah i think that will do it officially so <laughs> Again, thank you for participating with us. Keep remembering to see God in all things, and we will see you next time. Bye. Bye.